Hi everybody, it's Les McEwen here, President and CEO of Predictable Success, and we're back with another in the series of the Predictable Success interviews in which I talk with people who have either themselves and or with other people achieved that state that we call predictable success. And today, I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking to someone who, uh, I will be absolutely honest, is in a small category of my genuine business heroes, a guy called David Hyde. We're going to hear a little bit about what David's up to in a moment. But for the moment, uh, well, welcome to the show, David. Good to have you here. Thank you very much, Les. And um, yeah, I wish I was over there um, in person, actually. Um, but yeah, Skype is a, a good, good way of talking to you, so. It is once you get the technology right, as we've just discovered, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I first met David uh, uh, through something called the Do Lectures, and in uh, my perception, the Do Lectures are probably the uh, greatest undiscovered asset uh, available in the business community today. And normally what we do in these series is we start from the back end and we get uh, our guests to talk about their, their background. But I'd love if you could start uh, actually by just explaining what the Do Lectures are, David, and then tell us a little bit about how you started them. Well, it's, um, it's an incredibly small event. And, um, and uh, because it's, uh, it's 30 speakers, it's uh, 80 to 100 attendees, um, and everybody gathers in, uh, on, on the edge of West Wales uh, at a place called Forest, um, and it's um, everybody eats together, drinks together, you know, listens together, talks together. And the magic of the do lectures is listening to the talks is is great and it's important. But because they're together for four days, um, it's the talk after the talks that matters. And um, and sometimes the things that work against you actually in the end work for you. And um, the fact that it's very 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 far away means that actually the speakers don't leave. So they, they commit to the time. Um, and, and at that point, they say, well, So they're very focused on staying. And, and actually, 90, 99% um, actually do stay. Um, the other thing is, actually, there's really bad internet. Right. So um, they literally have to switch off. Um, and the other thing that's really going for it is... It, there's a, a place uh, at Forest and actually one in um, Camp, Camp Avida in California where the extraordinary nature of the place takes you to another place, so you switch off as well. So in a way, all your senses are, are, are sort of calmed and, uh, and you're very receptive. And it is a gathering of um, you know, some brilliant minds. Um, and the, the most fantastic thing is people talk to each other. And it kind of sounds a bit contrite, but um, it's very easy to go to conferences and listen to a great talk and then go home. Mm. Um, and actually, in a, in a strange way, this event does the opposite. And you have to think about what you see, um, but you also have to talk about it because you're sitting next to, you know, and it's, it's very random. You can talk to a speaker, you can talk to an attendee, and actually nobody knows who's who right. until, you know, the speakers get up and talk. And uh, how and why did you start it? Um, I was reading about um, one of my favorite uh, um, brands called Patagonia. And they do a tools camp once a year, actually twice a year. And it's to teach people the tools of being an activist. And I thought, well, uh, 
it's typical of Patagonia where it's a fantastic idea. But I also kind of thought, well, actually, that's great for 80 to 100 people. But actually, why don't we film it? And why don't we make that available to millions? And, and I, about the same time as I was reading that, the uh, my friend, uh, Tony Davison, sent me a text and he said, um, uh, Dick Dasterly was right, don't just stand there, do something. <laughs> and um, myself and Claire, um, over dinner last night, couldn't, and we were running Howie's at the time, and we said, oh, it's great that we make clothes, and you know, everybody loves the company, but actually, what do we do? And then we started talking about doers, and actually, the people we um, get inspired people by are the people who've done great things. And I think that's, um, that's got us thinking, why don't we do something and try and bring all those doers together? And in the hope that they would inspire the rest of us to go and do amazing things too. Right. And uh, how close... Uh, you've been doing it now for how many years, David? It's been going for five years. And right. So and how close now, the point that you're at now, and you look at what... You just had one recently, and you've got another one coming up in September. Um, how close is it to your vision? Um I think it's very close, and I think um, you know the mixture and eclecticness of the people is really what I wanted it to be, and um, I, I wanted it to be the the ultimate mashup of ideas, music, food, place. Um, so it's very very close to what I dreamt about it okay. has been, um, and it's, it's probably reached its optimum size um, in, in terms of that small event. So do you have uh, plans to – well, before we get to that, before we get to where it might go, uh, can you give the folks a bit of a sense of the type of thing, you know, what, what, what uh, in terms of speakers, what is really – who's really spoken to you recently? You know, what, what have you – what have been your highlights? What's the sort of flavor of the type of thing that people will encounter when they attend? Well, I mean, we pick from about seven different categories, and you know, one could be business, one could be sport, one could be food, one could be tech, um, you know, one will be local. Um, and it is that, um, you know, that eclectic mix which makes it magical, because sometimes you're just about to hear a talk and go, what could I possibly learn from this girl or guy? Um, but there's all sorts to be gleaned from, from these different people. And the ones that have caught my eye... Um, yeah, this year for this spring, um, yeah, Tim Smith came and talked about what he had done at the Eden Project, and um, I don't know if your audience will know that, but it's it's outside of London. It's it's Britain's biggest um, visitor attraction, and and uh, covers a subject which is not to some people not that interesting, you know, plant life and um, uh, and, and nature, but it is absolutely a huge success. Um, so he gave a very maverick talk, and I thought that was fantastic. I thought James Victor from uh, New York, uh, a graphic designer, really um, got everybody um, bubbling. Um, and Sean, uh, Sean from Falling Whistles did a most monumental um, uh, heart-rendering talk. So they can be from, from NGOs to big businesses to local growers to bakers and it really is, you know, from a knife maker in Brooklyn, you know, there's, there's a very odd mix, but actually when you put it all together, it actually makes a lot of sense. 
I can completely attest to that. When I was there last year, I remember uh, reading through the speaker list and, you know, I'd look at, at people's names and titles and what they did and what they were going to talk about. And I'll be really honest with you, in advance I'd look at some of these and I'd think, you know, I, there's just nothing in this topic that uh, I have any interest in. I didn't miss a single minute of one of those. I was gripped by every single presentation. And there's yeah. something that is... Uh, it's really ephemeral. It's that, that there's a there's definitely a magic about the place and the way people, as you say, are, are, you know, we're sort of forced to spend time together. Uh, that that just produces something that's magic. And I remember you remember Cheeto talk, talking about yeah, the uh, mushrooms. Yeah. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. And, and this tall, thin guy with a beanie cap gets up uh, with Nick Han to talk about uh, you know cycling around uh, Britain and. You know, Nick and I are now firm friends. I met him when he's out here in New York, and you know, I got to meet his wife, and uh, yeah. just the friendships. And I'm sure you've heard this a lot. The the whole sense of being a doer, having been there, yeah. uh, is you know, it's very strong in my life and anybody else who's been there. Exactly the same thing. No, and so, it is. Um, it's you know, friendships are made there, and it, you never know where this stuff takes you. But absolutely, and and. Let, Talk a little bit about your next five years. What do, I don't know to what degree you plan medium and long term. Do you, do you just do this each year and let's see what happens, or do you have new things that you'd like to see happen? Well, I mean, I think um, I mean we should plan things. I mean, um, I was going to say to myself, well, if it's brilliant, we'll carry it on. Right. And then, um, then you know, the, the first day happens, and I'm going, oh, no, here we go again. It's bloody brilliant again. <laughs> Um, the, 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 the plan, you know, the five-year plan is, can we go and get a thousand talks up online? And, and as a resource then, that becomes something quite amazing. And I think it's got potential to, to um, be a really important resource. Um, so, I mean, that's our, you know, that's our plan. You know, I'd love to do, I do lectures in India. I'd love to do in Australia. I'd love to do one in Spain. So I mean, I think, um, but we've got to, you know, we've got to work that that out. We, we're doing one in California in September, and that's um, that's in his second year, and that's done really well. Um, so it, it's kind of, um, and you know, the Welsh government here are asking us, can we do, can we, um, uh, can we do a festival? Um, and so we we bring um, a, a big audience to the town, right? Um, and I like that aspect where you know the idea of the town, ideas and music can come to come together. So um, we're, we're thinking about that, but I mean, uh, yeah, I suppose like anything, we've got to concentrate on being brilliant, right? And uh, and see where that takes us. Um, and because a lot of people make the comparison, oh, you're like Ted. But the only thing we have in common with Ted really is the fact that, you know, we have speakers who um, do talks and, you know, we record them online. I think for the event itself, we're very different to Ted in as much as, you know, the, the speakers and attendees come together. The, there are no differences. Um, there are workshops. There are bands playing. There's, you know, you're in a tent. It's raining. You know, you're cold. Um, there's communal eating, there's its own pub. And I think, um, I think that's where the comparison kind of doesn't, right. uh, you know, is, we're kind of different to, to that. 
Um, as you push it out, I know you've got the US one and you're talking about India and Australia, for example. Do you aim for you and Claire to be involved with those or do you want to find key people who will develop them? I know you've worked quite a lot with Duke Stump in the US, for example. I mean, I think if we can find people who get it, and I think um, with Duke, I mean, um, he he invites us over out of, um, you know, out of just interest for us, but I mean, he, you know, he sort of um, picks up all the speakers, yeah, and and everything is taken care of, and that's what I wanted really, because it, you know, I don't want to run do India and start picking speakers, because actually you need someone, you know, a man or woman on the ground running it. Mm. And actually, yeah, and maybe the Wales one works because, in a way, that's my flavour. But right. you know, Duke's flavour might be different. And I think, um, I think you just got to give people, um, you got to let them fly, and um, you know, don't clip their wings, really. So you, you put all of the talks up uh, free online. Uh, yeah. People can go access them. Where, where's the best place for people to go get a flavour of the talks and find out about future events? Um, the dolectures.com website. Um, uh, it has all the, the talks up there and has and anything that's happening or the event, um, all the details. So um, I think uh, the website is probably the best way to, to get hold of us. And it, it, the thing that really blows me away about all this, David, is that it's not as if you're sitting around uh, doing this full time. You actually run a business. Um, you, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned in passing a moment ago uh, that uh, – you had a business called Howie's before you started to do lectures. Could you just talk a little bit, um, share with our folks what that was, um, a, bit, a bit about its history, and, and lead us into your, your new business, your, new, your current venture? Yeah, I started um, a clothing company called Howie's in 1995. And um, for the first six years, we did it as a bit of a hobby. Um, and we kind of fell in love with the hobby. So myself and Claire moved back down from London down to Wales, and uh, we, we did Howie's full-time. Um, we grew it, and it grew really fast, and um, yeah, in a way, a little bit too fast. Um, so we kind of needed um, we needed to find um, yeah, somebody to team up with. In the end, we sold Howie's to Timberland. Um, and um, that, you know, that wasn't really... It wasn't really what we wanted, and it, it wasn't a, a great time. So I think in the end, we tried to buy it back, they didn't want to sell it, and, and in the end, they sold um, to, to be left. So we we kind of left Harry's, and um, and I remember like walking down the stairs and, and thinking to myself, and shutting the door on Harry's after 15 years of building something up, going, oh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> um, and um, I was really smitten with jeans. I loved the way that they, um, you know, would get better with age. Um, I love the fact that you know creative people wore them, um, and I oddly lived in a town that knew how to make great jeans. I mean, um, our town used to make thirty-five thousand pairs of jeans a week wow. for um, three to four decades, and then one day the um, the factory closed, but all that skill um, remained. And um, I, I kind of wrote the plan. Pretty much soon after I left Harry's, and then um, I sent it to all my investors, and I said, um, "Do you know what? Um, you know, do you want to do this?" And they all came back to me and said, um, "We love it. Let's do it." Hmm. And I, I said to them, ah, 
I think um, I'm not sure if I want to run around the same track twice. And um, so I put the plan aside for a year. And then one day uh, the old designer phoned me up and he said, why aren't you doing the plan? We, you know, we all loved it. I said, well, to be honest, I haven't worked out the why of it. And I said, and he said it to, to me, um, I thought it was all about getting the town making jeans again. And, and, I, and we had discussed that. And actually the economics weren't as daft as I thought they were going to be. <laughs> um, and... It was like sort of a you know that moment where you go, oh, of course, that's what we're going to do. That's why we're going to go and build a nice global denim brand because our town you know needs to get back to making jeans again. That's cool. Um, and um, and I, I knew that you don't you can't build a great brand just on sentiment. Um, and we got a lovely story, you know, the story of our our town making jeans again. And we also knew that you know. We have to do something of you know with great skill. Um, so we have to do you know like the most amazing quality gene that we can, um, and that puts us up there with the best. Um, but even that alone, with a great sentiment and a great quality product, you still need something else to go and change the the denim industry. And 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 I'm pretty convinced that the way for us to succeed is to bring ideas to the denim industry. It hasn't changed in a hundred years. Um, when I looked at um, a pair of Levi's in the Levi's store in San Francisco from 1876 or whatever it was, um, well, they nailed it. Yeah, they absolutely nailed it. Um, and actually it hasn't changed at all. You know, there's washes and various bits and uh, it's all bits around the edges. So. But the one thing I noticed was, um, actually, if you make a great product to last, I kind of noticed that actually those, those products that last can tell great stories about you. Right. And I thought, you know, um, there's like two roads coming together and one is, you know, what I call Luddite, where great companies who want to make things to last, mm. um, and actually, you know, the geek road, which is the internet's ability to tell stories. Right. Um, and where those two things come together is really where um, a thing that we call the history tag works. And that's essentially a way of um, attaching memories to the products that we buy. Um, so, for example, you know, you'd get a pair of jeans, you'd have a unique number. When you get them, you, you register that number onto the historytag.com website and you'll see six or seven pictures of your jeans being made. But at that point, then you can decide whether you want to upload pictures in its future. Right. And the purpose is, is so if they ever get handed down or they um, end up in a second-hand store and that's a thriving jeans market, um, the memories will go with them too. And I, I kind of love that notion. I think there's a deep-rooted desire for all of us. Um, I think it's a wonderful idea. And um, and I think you know, each each pair of jeans is going to have a different story, including mine, which I believe are being made this month. Yes, they are. And um, I know it hasn't been the quickest of jeans, but um, they are fantastic. Uh, how has your first few months' uh, experience been like compared to what you had anticipated? Well, um, I mean, uh, the brilliant thing about business plans is they're always perfect, um, <laughs> which I love. Um, but then, um, and then you start. Um, 
I mean, for us, we didn't anticipate the level of demand. We thought we'd have a nice, gentle um, yeah, baptism. Um, but we got hit quite hard. And, you know, we almost got three months' worth of orders in the first couple of weeks. Wow. Um, and when you're geared up to make 10 pairs a day you know, with, with the help of strong coffee and great music, <laughs> um, that's a bit of a test. So you so, you accelerated through early struggle, past fun, and right into whitewater in the first month and a half. By the yeah, of- yeah, we went straight there. Um, <laughs> and I, so, yeah, we're we're kind of hiring more machinists, um, and um, you know, we're we're managing the process of um, you know trying to keep everybody happy, um, and also you know we're a bit surprised that you know shops from Japan have been coming down to us and. You know, people from, you know, shops in France going, can we stock this? And you're going, ooh. Wow. Um, so it's been a nice surprise. I mean, um, and um, so we're just kind of managing that. I mean, um, I guess, you know, we've built brands before and we kind of know we're comfortable around doing that. Right. Um, but uh, I guess we haven't done manufacturing before. And um, that's been a, a, an interesting one, and yeah, and fortunately, the, this town is full um, of machinists, um, and, and we just need to go and you know, you know, hire them and uh, you know, that. So I mean, um, it, it's a lovely problem to have, but it's still you know, it's still a problem that needs to be solved. And uh, t- tell us a little bit, just before we come to a close, tell us a little bit about the grandmasters. Well. I think, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell uh, wrote about um, doing 10,000 hours. Mm. And, and after 10,000 hours, you, you, you get pretty good at it. And, and he called them, um, you, know, you know, it was based on a, uh, the chess grandmasters where after 10,000 hours, you, you become a grandmaster. Mm. And I, I love that notion of, you know, there comes, there comes a point in your life where you get really good at something. Um, and for us, you know, the, the machinists that we were going to hire, they'd had, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years of experience. So they were grandmasters upon grandmasters. Hmm. Um, and for us, when you're a startup and you've got over 100 years worth of experience making jeans, it kind of bodes really well, actually. Sure. Because, um, you know, you've got some really, you know, experienced people around you. And, and you know, we, we are ambitious in as much as we want to go and build a, a, a global denim company. And actually, you know, so we can get 400 people their jobs back, which is ultimately a crazy dream right now when there's 10 of us. Um, but I kind of, um, you know, I guess like you, Les, you get to a point where you've studied you studied your thing, and you have to practice your art at some point. Right, absolutely. And I, I, we don't have time on this call, but I'd love in some future call, and maybe also a couple of years down the line from now, when maybe the rawness of startup is is a, a, a fond memory. Um, there's got to be a fascinating story in there of bringing visionary leadership, uh, an expansionist mindset. 
uh, and working with a group of people who are essentially artisans and traditionalists and, you know, who have the, the knowledge locked away in their head of mechanically making this thing and yeah. uh, just juggling all of that must be fun. But we'll maybe get you back to come talk about that separately when you've got through the hump. Um, when, when, I know you've um, you stopped taking orders just momentarily while you, you, you catch up with yeah. demand, but when people... Um, People do want to go see what Hyatt Denim's all about. Where where can they best go? Um, go to hyattdenim.co.uk, um, and uh, we're we're just about hopefully in the next four to five weeks getting over the hump. But just to finish up, I'll tell you one you know story, just uh, which is relevant to what you just said, is um, uh, Claudio, who cuts our jeans, has thirty eight years of experience of cutting jeans, and um, he said to me. Um, said, you know what I was really worried about, Dave, um, is I wouldn't have anybody to pass my skills on to. Hmm. And um, I just went, oh, man, that's why we've got to make this work. Um, And sometimes ideas are very timely. If we'd left this idea um, another 10 years, we wouldn't have been able to have done it. And all of that skill would have been lost? It would have been lost. So so it was was kind of timely and... um, but, um, you know, we've got to get, um, we've got to go and, you know, that's what galvanizes me. I'm going, right, okay, let's go and get, get this done. Yeah, I can imagine when, when you get to the point that you're watching an apprentice learn from Claudio and get to grandmaster level and him or herself, that's just going to be a wonderful sense of legacy. Uh, Hyatt Denim is H-I-U-T-D-E-N-I-M uh, dot yeah. UK and, I recommend everybody to go there, see the story. I mean, just the story itself that you've got up on the website is magnificent. The jeans I'm eagerly anticipating are superb. Uh, go to dolectures.com, uh, try out some of the lectures, see what you uh, think about it. I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend to everybody, get on a plane, go to the Do Lectures. It's, it's a, a, I mean, for me, I can honestly say I'm in the, my fourth decade of business. It's the single biggest game changer that I ever attended in my entire life. There's just no doubt about that. Uh, I strongly, strongly recommend it. Uh, David, uh, both you and Claire have got my highest admiration, and I hope you'll come back in a couple of years and tell us how uh, Pat Denham has got on. Thank you very much, Claire.